Welcome back to Review Cues, the Review Crew podcast. Today I'm joined by Owen, Jenna, Tim. Thanks for being here, Tim. <laughs> Thanks for having and, me. Um, yeah, today I just wanted to talk about a movie that came out well over a year ago, but it comes up in my mind every once in a while. It's just like one of the most unique, like, movie watching experiences I've had in terms of just how anxiety inducing it was. Yeah. Um, that that's uncut gems and. I don't know. Where are you guys like revisiting it? How was it for you guys? I agree with that statement about anxiety. It's just so fast paced and like the editing is so quick. And like the thing that bothered me the most about this movie the first time and the second time watching it is that like the very beginning, the whole first, you know, sequence where um, after the mining scene Mm -hmm. um, where Howard is kind of in his shop and all the people are coming around Kevin Garnett comes in like that whole scene is so hard to piece out what's happening because they're all talking over each other the whole time and I I can respect the choice to do that because it does add like an element of realism and how like realistic conversations happen day to day but it also was just like really hard to to understand, and I think my second time through, I I could understand it better because I kind of knew already like what Howard was about, what the plot of the movie was. But yeah, that and and the very fast paced editing, like it makes this movie such a specific and distinct style. And I can't like I don't think I can't say I don't like it, but it it is just it is different. It's different mm. than what I'm used to. KG, you can't lean on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Tidbit yeah. about that uh, that I actually read the glass was like set to break like they had a remote control controlling the glass uh and kg just kept leaning on it and leaning on it and they didn't tell him when they were going to press the button for the glass to break so that reaction is like authentic oh that's cool that's awesome Um, it it is like so anxiety filled even in the small like little moments like that you know kevin garnett leans on the glass countertop as soon as howard says something you know it's over and then it comes back obviously later and you know don't lean on the glass and it's just constantly howard just Howard's just bitching all the the entire movie. He's, his volume's at like ten. I don't know. Yeah, and he's just always talking over every single person, always screaming mm. at people. Like by the end of the movie, you're so sick and tired of his voice. You're like, shut up, shut up, shut up. He's so annoying. I hate it. I hate his voice. I also hate that like Adam Sandler is like doing that voice. Like it really bothers me because like you know what he sounds like normally, and like and we know what he sounds like in Hubie Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> and we do. We know what he sounds like don't in Hubie Halloween. Do you guys like Howard? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm with you there, like, the dialogue, yeah, it's, and, like, he is just nonstop with it. Um, Howard, you know, I mean, he's the protagonist, you know, we're following him, but he's kind of, I don't know, I wasn't super connected to him. Yeah. I was just kind of like, you know, all right, yeah, he's clearly in a tough situation, and, like, I want him to kind of get out of it, but, like, it's not the end of the world if he does it, you know? It's just, like, he wasn't super, like, the best, I guess, the best protagonist for me to follow, and it was just kind of, I liked Adam Sandler's performance, like, it, his voice is, you know, something... <laughs> to talk about, but I mean, yeah. his performance, I really admired it compared to like, you know, grown ups and everything else that I've seen with him in it. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of like, I don't know, he was kind of a hit or miss character and he didn't really hit for me. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I kind of thought, um, Adam Sandler's character was pretty empathetic, at least I was able to empathize with him, even though he was kind of a sleazy guy, uh, you know, not, not a f- well, he was a family man, but. 
Not really. Uh, <laughs> Not what you think yeah. of when you think no. of a family man. No. Yeah, but I kind of want to talk about his performance because um, I was reading an article today that said that, um, it, well, it was an interview with the Safdie brothers, and they were talking about just how uh, this film came to fruition and how it was, you know, uh, you know, how it came about originally. And they wrote the script in 2009, the original mm-hmm. script, and then kind of reworked it in 2011 and pitched it to Sandler. He didn't like it. And didn't really know, you know, who the Safdie brothers were at that time. They didn't really have the the catalog of work that they do now. And it wasn't until 2017, after uh, their success with Good Time, that he finally like jumped on board. Um, mm-hmm. But KG actually also wasn't originally. Um, well, they they did re- uh, write the script with Sandler in mind, but they they wrote it actually with Amari Stoudemire in mind, who. Uh, oh, interesting. Who I know personally. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I was looking at you. There's a reference yeah. to him in the movie, so like. Yeah, I noticed the reference, and I turned to Abby. I do I do editing for his like team sometimes. Oh, that's dope. Not because he works with another company that I work with. Not like specifically for you his. You were contracted. Team. He I was contracted to do videos of Mars. <laughs> Literally, like probably one of the only basketball players that I can name. So it was just funny that like his name popped up because I actually uh, recognized it, and I think that's something that comes about a lot in the movie is that I couldn't you said like you could empathize with with Howard but I couldn't necessarily empathize with him because I'm just not into the like I'm not into gambling I'm not into sports I like I almost am, I just like kind of pity him for getting in the situation that he's in and I and I think that like like you said like you kind of want him to get out of the situation he's in you kind of want him to hit the bets and, and succeed but you're not really rooting for him, or at least I wasn't really rooting for him. Yeah, I mean, I I gotta take Owen's side here. I mean, I found him really <laughs> empathizing in the same way that I'd empathize with like Rue from Euphoria. And Interesting. Personally, I've never experienced addiction, but it's deeply impactful to watch like even a fictional character struggle mm-hmm. with addiction or you know gambling in this case. It's set up so perfectly that you see him get in like little and little and little, and then finally he's in the office. He has the money. Mm-hmm. He can yeah. end everything right now. Mm-hmm. Let's bet on this. <sighs> but yeah. it, it is his character. It's character motivated. And then he, win- uh, you know, obviously spoilers. He wins at the end. And, you know, he's hysterically, like, you know, so happy, whatever. What did you guys think about the ending? My favorite part, I got to say. I loved it. I mean, I can't see it ending any other way. And um, I don't know if we talked about this before, Dylan, but uh, someone, you know, one of my friends was watching this and was like, this is Howard's ideal ending. Like he would never be happy. You know, mm. he he would keep digging himself into a deeper and deeper hole. Probably gamble the money that he won on this bet into a you know a larger bet and accrue more debt. Uh, this was his. You know, this is a happy ending for him. You know, uh, that last shot where he's kind of smiling on the ground with like the diamonds in yeah. his eyes. That's just it. Like I don't know. It's like he ended his life with the highest high he'd, yeah, he'd ever had. Yeah, went out have. with a bang. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. It's like because it's such a crescendo. Like mm. it's like the whole movie is such a. It's so there's so much tension. It's so much buildup with him and the brother-in-law, and that's there's these constant like head to head, and he like you know finally hits it big, and it's this huge thing, and then it just kind of like it's boom out of nowhere. It's yeah. like oh wow, but it, it is he like ends with that kind of final thought that like he finally won big, and it's like but you know it cuts him off from going bigger than he mm. thinks he would have. So it, I think it was an awesome ending too. Yeah, I guess I guess like you're happy for him when he wins that that bet at the end, and you're like, oh, now he can finally like get out of his debt and like fix his life. But the truth is, like that's just not what he's gonna do. So it does make a lot of sense. I think the ending is brilliant. I really think it's, I think it's really good. Um, 
And I think that another thing that makes this movie like something to talk about is like all the cameos from All Stars. We already talked about sure. uh, yeah. Kevin Garnett and uh, you know Adam Sandler being in this. It was it, it drew a lot of attention because it's not a comedy. And so people weren't expecting this from the like. It's not part of the Sandler zeitgeist. Like it's yeah. just it's it's its own thing. And I think a lot of people were just you know super excited to see Adam Sandler play a role that's unlike his his normal ones. And then like also having the weekend in there and Idina Menzel and like mm-hmm. all of these really um, incredible people. I think that like that was so fun. I loved that that part of the movie. And how well that they like acted and like were convincing as themselves um uh, yeah i don't know i think the weekend scene for me like that whole like arc with (laughs) howard's mistress was like entertaining and i was watching it the second time i'm like okay i know what's gonna happen i could do without this like i you know i was on twitter during that like scene Mm -hmm. but i think in the first like watch of the movie it really kind of contrasts his family man character it gives you something that kind of like hate about Howard yeah. <laughs> while also like understanding him more like how he's just in every he's never content like in his relationship he needs to find something else in his like finances he needs to you know go the extra mile mm-hmm. so I think it's like good in terms of having his character be a cheating like gambling piece of shit <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I don't know like yo watching it the second time I was like okay I know where this is going but I did appreciate the weekend cameo yeah sure. I think that it was just kind of it was interesting to me that he agreed to do mm. that and it be makes like such a playing scummy himself guy. like yeah. he's playing himself and he it looks terrible Just to be fair so his bad. music is like <laughs> like that already I guess <laughs> I lyrics. guess I think like agreeing to perform in the movie and like having a little bit of, of a role that made sense but then like the, to follow up with this like really revealing scene like it was I, I was surprised and I forgot about it and I was surprised again the second mm. time I was like oh why would he agree to do this kind of makes him look bad but also you know, it speaks to like his acting chops. If he does want to get into acting, if that's something that he yeah. he seems yeah. to want to do, then you know this is a good way to get into it, I guess. Um, so upon watching this for a second time and then a third time, <laughs> I, I yeah. got a question yeah. that popped in my head and I wanted to ask you guys: Is this movie a period piece? Because it takes place in the early twenties. Seeing the old right. iPhones yeah, and the flip KG. phones. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. I, the first time I watched Kevin this, I was, in his 30s. <laughs> I was transported back to like me as a thirteen-year-old. You know, <laughs> first discovering like the weekend and KG in his prime. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like this is. Um, I mean, to answer my own question, I feel like it is to an extent a period piece because we're never gonna, you know see the weekend like on you know just blowing up we're never going to see kg in his prime uh and yeah i don't know i just think it's a pretty unique um film in that it was so recent the events uh but also never gonna happen like, like never gonna happen again yeah why do you think they made that choice do you think it is specifically just so they could catch kevin garnett in his prime and so they well didn't they write it in 2009 oh well, i guess that's true yeah, and I mean, I, I think this was, like I said, written for Amari Stoudemire, and then when he, I think he uh, was thinking about doing it, and then KG eventually did it, they had to change the script. But I actually thought the casting of Kevin Garnett was mm. fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. he is playing himself, but I think, uh, you know, he did a great job. Absolutely, yeah. I yeah. feel like you said crescendo. And to me, I think that for Kevin Garnett's character, Kevin Garnett, that came when he was, <laughs> when he was in the office at the end, and like, he was like, fuck you, Howard. Like, you, this entire movie, you've, you know, cheated me. And Howard gives, like, this actually like, really, like, emotional speech. 
And then he's like, okay, we're going to bet on this. And Kevin Garnett's like, yeah, actually, though. <laughs> and then at the end, you know, at the end of the game, he's talking like, this one's proven all the haters wrong. And like, you know, I can overcome and triumph and how we get shot. So yeah. I, I enjoyed that, like, the end of Kevin Garnett's character. I think he is the most empathetical one <laughs> of this movie. Like, yeah, no, he, for he's sure. He's also so, like, frustrating when he, you know, mm, like, takes is the, like, Howard, I need the rock. I need it. Yeah. And makes him go to all this trouble. And then Keith Stanfield, also fantastic actually, oh, in this yeah. movie. Um, yeah. His character was infuriating in his own <laughs> way. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I can see why they wanted Amari Stoudemire for the role a little bit because I watched a bunch of interviews with him recently just because I had to, like, edit his stuff, like, the interviews. And so uh, he... You know, he's, like, very into, like, healing things and going on mission trips and, like, he's big into his religion. So I can see how, like, that's something that, like, he could potentially do is put so much um, intention on this, like, gem that is going to help him and, like, win and stuff. But I think that Kevin Garnett was really, really good. And I think that, like, it didn't really make a difference. It's not like it could have been so much better. Like, I think it, yeah, I think it, it worked out really well for them. Yeah, and it was kind of cool because, like, I'm, like, from Boston, so, like, you kind of know the, like, the period piece kind of, like, aspect of it. Like, you kind of know these games, and it's like, okay, like, I know what's going to happen, but still, like, you still feel like, oh, there's, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, it's like, I think they do a really good job of that because I was like, I know the end of this game, but, like, yeah. I'm still, like, why do I feel so, you know, anxious right now? So I thought that was really cool. And Kevin Garnett, yeah, great performance. It was great to see KG out there. And it was also cool because it's kind of like he's, like, such kind of a grounded person like he's not really like on that like kind of religious like uh-huh. you know journey so it is really interesting to see him kind of have this fascination with this kind of like you know this this opal and it's like oh wow like this must be really like you know that fascinating so I think it kind of worked really well because it's like such a contrast from who he like actually is like off the court and like on the court mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was a really like interesting aspect of it yeah and, and maybe you know he did actually have to put some work into his acting and and, mm-hmm. and that's you know just good on him he did a really good job yeah. yeah yeah I also like the fact that uh you know they went with KG like an athlete who was playing for a Boston sports team not a New York sports team like Amari Stoudemire was in you know 2010 or whatever uh, and Sandler and him kind of have that back and forth, that like rivalry from two different uh, mm-hmm. major sports cities. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that adds another kind of element into the mix. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, like Howard's family, I guess, mm-hmm. and and just kind of like another moment in the film that I think is is just really kind of depressing and so like unfortunate how he just. He gets locked into in the, his trunk naked at his daughter's oh. play. <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. that is another moment. But right before he gets locked in the trunk, you know, these guys, they take him for a little ride. And he finds out that the bet that hit this incredible bet that he was going to use to fix all of his problems, they took it. They took it down before, you know, before it hit. I just thought that was, like, such a, you know, because it's a roller coaster movie. But I thought that that was such a, like, a good moment because... Um, you really just feel so like dejected, like like Howard does, and like it's not even just about the fact that he lost all this money. It's that like in all of these like events happening, he's losing the people that are close to him. He's losing his family. He's messing up with his girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if like you know we can talk about the fact that he has a girlfriend in the first place, but like their relationship is pretty toxic as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was. What did you guys think about that scene? Which scene? Where the he's, you know, the car ride oh, the, at his daughter's trunk. play, you know. 
His wife has to come out. Yeah, and get when he him. calls his wife, like yeah. that was just like, oh, yeah, oh, pretty dejecting. I mean, just like the look on Indina Menzel's face, just like says it all. She's just like so done with his, you know, all yeah. of this business that he's in, and it is kind of like, I mean, it's kind of not like at the end, but like t- towards the beginning, kind of more. So it's kind of like, oh god, like this, is, we're already here. Like you're already naked yeah. in the back of your trunk. So absolutely, like, where's like, it gonna like, go from here? It's, it starts at the worst point, and then I think <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed the scene of their family dinner. And everything kind of slows down for a second. Mm-hmm. And then they have, like, the... She puts the dress on from, from her bar mitzvah, and, like, they have, like, a nice little back and forth, and then she's like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm still... You're, we're still in a divorce. <laughs> and, then, you know. Yeah. And did you guys find, like, that moment of respite needed in the movie? Yeah. I think I, I definitely needed it to understand his relationship with his, his wife a little bit more and, like, his dynamic with his family because... Um, you don't really see him with his family a lot before that. You know, we talk, like, we always uh, talk about the scene where he's watching the game on his phone when he's supposed to be hanging out with his son, like, going mm-hmm. to tuck him in, say goodnight. Like, like those kind of things, it's just, like, it's disheartening to see somebody just not care about their family because they're so invested and addicted to this this other, you know, to gambling. Um, so I think that the the dinner was a good moment. But, like, he's still throughout, you know, he's having the trouble with his brother-in-law during the dinner. He's Mm -hmm. calling his girlfriend and, you know, yelling at her in the middle, like, going to the bathroom and doing all that. And then comes out from that conversation and tries to, like, woo his wife again. You're just like, oh, stop. Just stop. (laughs) You know, like, slow down. And just, like, one thing at a time. And it's just, that's why it's so chaotic. Because you're like, how is he doing all of these things at once? It's almost impressive, <laughs> like yeah. how he's able to call all these. The, the scene where he's on the phone and he's clicking from line oh, one God. to line two oh, to yeah. line three, and it's all these different people. You're like, oh my God, how do you even know who you're talking to right now? So stressful. So stressful. That's like the the genre of this movie is just multiple people on your line and you're yeah. just <laughs> back and forth. Oh yeah, I want to ask about like that piece thematically. Do you think it's like a gimmick that it was so tense? Do you think it's a gimmick that he had? The, the colonoscopy results, his girlfriend calling, the auction house calling, Kevin Garnett's lawyer calling, all at once? I don't know. I, I, I feel like it adds to the style of the movie and just the you know tone of it. I, I like that at any given time, there's at least three different voices, three <laughs> distinct on, on voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I also feel like this is kind of the role of a lifetime for Adam Sandler, even though, oh, you yeah. know, he's... You could argue he's he's playing himself, you know, he's doing the same uh, silly, like, dad he always plays, but I don't know. I don't I, think I, so. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think this is pretty ambitious for him, and, and I mm, think he did a sure. great job. Well, because, I mean, going back to the whole idea of it being a period piece, what will this look like in retrospect in, like, 2050, <laughs> when it really is yep. a period piece, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, Adam Sandler's looking back on his career, and it's, you know, this... You'd be Halloween. <laughs> all the options. Are you familiar with the Adam Sandler See, Halloween? That's the one movie? I haven't seen. Like my whole friend group back don't, home. Don't, keep it that way. Don't, right, do not keep watch it. That, it. Keep it that way. Yeah. My extent is like yeah, like Grown Ups, like Jack and Jill. That's like yeah. the Classics. last few things I've seen of right. and, 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 and Uncut Gems. Those, yeah. those aren't Howard characters. Yeah, no, <laughs> not as ambitious. Right, yeah. but no, but I, I admired that he was able to do it and like p- pulled it off and really like I I would have been mad if he he won an Oscar for it. Yeah, I mean, it's a ridiculous character. Like, he is always yelling. He's, like, it's it's funny because he's funny and it's ridiculous. But it also is, like, I think a serious performance. I think mm-hmm. it's a realistic performance of how 
a person like Howard would act and how he would be. And, like, I think that those scenes, like, I don't think that they're gimmicky because I think that that's really, like, how to get into this character's life and mindset is through the ultimate stress and through, like, all these people calling him and talking to him at the same time. Like, that's it's just the way that he is and how he makes these, like, rash decisions. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think it... I don't think it's like his other performances at all. I think it's it's much better. And um, not that I don't like his comedy movies, a lot of them, not oh, Hubie yeah. Halloween, but a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he'll look back and like not regret doing this, mm-hmm. even though everybody thought it was he was snubbed and the movie itself was snubbed at the Oscars last year. What did you guys think about that? I mean, he did famously say that if uh, he was snubbed from an Oscar, he would make the worst film of all time, and then. Hubie Halloween dropped in 2020. <laughs> I don't know if there's a coincidence there. <laughs> pretty I, really think, I really think there is, but... You see, I'm hopeful that that was the case, but, like, wouldn't they have to have filmed Hubie Halloween before see, the Oscars? That's true. Yeah. So I we're still we, waiting. We're we, like, uncut Gems the 2, the Sandler, the Sandler <laughs> cut, four hours long. Oh, God. Um, it not, like, I don't know. I think it's hard to boil everything down to the Oscars because I think you won a lot of other awards, and... You know, hopefully he's grateful for that, I guess. Yeah. But, you know. If I guess anything, g- I would nominate this film for editing. Mm. Oh, for and sure. Sl- or, like, sound mixing. Yeah. I yeah. feel like Because the sound itself is, like, really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that, like, chaotic nature of the film, I feel like everyone has those days. I mean, not quite like this, but everyone has those days where everything's like, going off. Yeah, yeah, like 15 tabs open on their phone and like they're oh, trying yeah. to middleman between two different groups of friends trying to coordinate some activity and yeah. that was just this entire film is just mm-hmm. a snippet of a chaotic man's chaotic life, uh, you know, doing stuff he's not supposed to and, and getting himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about the editing, Jenna, and I was just going to ask you guys, and that's like the technical aspects of this movie. Did anything stand out to you? Do you think, like, the Safdie brothers are better on the writing side, on the directing side, you know? For me, I enjoyed the color of this film and just how grungy and grimy everything looked. And, you know, like, just the how, you know, everyone's skin looked. Like, you could see every <laughs> yeah. pore and they were all sweaty. Um, and it's like that added to the chaotic nature of the film, yeah. I think. And um, I think, for me, the, the scene that really, like, impacted me as far as the colors was when Lakeith Stanfield quits and dumps, like, I don't know, the wine into the fish tank. Mm-hmm. And just, like, I don't know. I really, like, visually, I was like, wow, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's nothing, yeah. like, cool, but it's, I, don't know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think for me, like, technical-wise, like, I think one that stood out to me, even the first time I watched it, was, like, the music. And there's not, like, a lot of music, mm. but just that, like, opening kind of, like, it gave, really gave me, like, kind of Blade Runner vibes Give me it. Stranger Things vibes. Stranger Things, yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah. like, you know, like, a weird kind of out, otherworldly, and it was just really cool. Like, I thought it contrasted nicely with kind of, like, the grungy look of it, like, mm-hmm. with the characters, and then you got, like, this music towards the beginning and the end that's just so out there. Synths. Yeah, yeah synth, it's like and some it's like, sci-fi I'm sounding. feeling, like, weird going into it, but <laughs> I thought that was a really You're cool. in the gym. Yeah. And it turns into Adam Sandler's school. <laughs> yeah. Almost adds like an element of magical realism to the film. Mm. Along yeah. with the, you know, magic opal from the, the Ethiopian Jews. Yeah. And I feel like um, there's something to be said about, I don't know, the culture we see in this movie. Adam Sandler plays a Jewish man. Um, and yeah, I mean, just talking about like Ethiopian Jews harvesting these, these black opals. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about it, but there's something it's, to be said about it. <laughs> I think Kevin Garnett puts it well when he's like, so you paid the black guys 
a hundred thousand for this gemstone yeah. you thought was worth a million. Mm-hmm. And he had to be like, what? yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's a CD guy. He's doing the CD business. Like, yeah. what do you expect? Uh, right. And I think that is understood. And I, I don't think the Safdie brothers were trying to make like a commentary on, on anything. But like you said, it was just, it's really fascinating to know that fact. Or like they took the time to do that. And that's how the movie starts. And it's always like in the back of your mind when they're like holding it and he's, you know, like just dis- displaying all these ornate jewelry things. And I think one of the lines that sticks with me is he tries to give this guy the, uh, he places a bet with somebody, tries to give him a watch as a gift. And he's like, oh, this is for putting up with me. The guy goes, I probably fell off the back of a truck. Like, I'm not taking that from you. It's like the, those little moments that like deepen his character and your, your understanding. Certainly, I don't think the portrayal of Adam Sandler, or I don't think the portrayal of Howard as a Jewish man helps with like the stereotype about Jewish people being greedy but like yeah. I think that's just part of his addiction as like a man in general yeah yeah but I mean the Safdie brothers are Jewish I believe right. so they're kind of allowed to uh, play with them <laughs> it's not like an airplane situation <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> no no not quite I just looked I just googled the uh, Ethiopian Ethiopian black opal it is a real thing they do kind of look like that I didn't know if it was a real thing because we were talking about that. That's why I had to Google it because I was like, I wonder if like he just made all this shit up about <laughs> the gemology. <laughs> like, if the, yeah, if they just like made it all up. But no, it's it's true. I think that that made that Found adds another layer. You know, I'm glad that it's a true thing and like yeah. they're using a real concept. And and the other thing about uh, we could like talk about Howard's greed a little bit. In that it's not even greed, I think it's just addiction. But like, yeah. the craziest part of like he's trying so hard to get this like opal back from Kevin Garnett. He's calling all these people. He's going to Showing practice. Up, yeah. <laughs> he finally gets him to come to his shop, and Kevin Garnett's like gonna give it back to him, and he's like, "All right, where's my ring?" Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have the ring, and you're like, "How is that something that can like slip your slip from your mind or like you forget about?" When that's like all you care about right now is this opal and you had to exchange something for that. And like just going to the pawn shop, exchanging these things for money and then expecting to go back and pay for them later. You just know that he's not going to be able to get them back. Like I just think that that's like it's like, yeah, you know, we said it before. It's just constant digging himself into a hole, digging oh, himself sure. deeper, layers of debt. It's and then that's like. To me, one of the things that stuck out on a second viewing was when he goes back and trades in the Knicks ring, and he says, "Okay, I'll be back next Friday." No, you won't. <laughs> I don't know. Like every his last like conversations with his girlfriend on the phone with his wife, saying like, "There's a gas leak, leave." Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I think yeah, on a second viewing, knowing how Howard dies <laughs> is. I don't want to say sad because <laughs> it's not like he, he earned it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's like you're, it's a deepening of the story that makes you look at everything else more because you know how Howard ends up. So you're more, I think, cognizant of the stuff like when he exchanges the Knicks ring, for example, or the Michael Jackson pendant or whatever it is. Did you guys like catch anything? Yeah. Any I little mean, details? You know, just the entire, like, every action that Howard takes shows you more and more that he doesn't care about anyone. He doesn't mm. even care about himself. All right, he cares yeah. about is winning the bets. I don't think he, like, money is what he's at really after because money is kind of disposable to him. I mean, he, 
it's disposable even though he doesn't have it. Like, yeah. even though he's mm-hmm. in debt to people, uh, you know, he's just pawning different objects that aren't his until he can break even and, I don't know, continue that cycle of betting. And, yeah, I mean, on the ending, like, I don't think he would ever find true happiness. So mm-hmm. this is about, you know, his his pinnacle and uh, the, the crescendo has reached its, its peak, so yeah. to speak. I think it is kind of like that rush. That's kind of like what he lives on. And it's like, you know, the whole movie, he's... He's in these awful situations and he's trying to get out of it and it's like it's an awful situation but it's kind of like he gets out of it and then he puts himself on another one so it's like almost kind of like he wants to get back into it just so he can feel that rush of getting yeah. out and then like using that money like you said he doesn't really care about money money is just kind of like that tool with which he uses to yeah. further oh, his yeah. rush his character yeah, is kind definitely. of like an exaggerated version of those those people who will find a problem with everything and like always have to be stressed like oh my god i have yeah, a thousand yeah, yeah. things to do like no man just relax like you <laughs> won the bet just relax but no just cool it <laughs> i gotta say like just hearing the way you guys describe him reminds me of christian bale's character in american psycho mm. do you guys howard do, does howard does and whereas howard's rush and his high is Gambling and and you know getting deeper oh, sure. for Christian Bale. It's, it's murder <laughs> you know, yeah. Different addictions yeah. we'll say yeah, but yeah, just just how Kind of dead they are behind the eyes and like how, how, how One both, track mind one track mind exactly how, how one track minded they are in terms of what they want and money's just means of getting there women just means of getting there Yeah, I think I think that's Maybe that similarity is why I don't empathize with him because, like, right. he doesn't really care about anything. And so you want your, like, you want a character to care so that you can care. And I think that, like, he does show emotion, mm-hmm. unlike Christian Bale in American Psycho. Like, he definitely has emotions. And, like, you're kind of happy for him when he's happy. You're kind of sad for him when he's sad. Um, but, like, it's just a constant reminder of he's doing it to himself. Mm. And, like, and then maybe that's like a, that's like a, it's a bad way to think, I guess, because it is an addiction and you don't want to be like, you know, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. Like he just, he needs help. Yeah, right. <laughs> he yeah. needs professional help. But um, no, no one in his circle or, I mean, I, his wife can, at the start of the movie even, his wife is just like fed up. It's like, we're, I'm, oh, yeah. like I'm done. And his wife's not in I'm the sure she, like, <laughs> oh, the no. way they, they make it seem is that like she kind of tried with him right, and then right. failed and let him go. His girlfriend's not trying to help him because his girlfriend loves when he hits his yeah. bets. She works for him at his store. Like, she likes his current lifestyle, you know? You know, I mean, these are all factual statements. Howard doesn't really have that many redeeming qualities. And, yeah. I mean, throughout this podcast, I'm, I'm guilty of not really being able to separate the actor from the character, maybe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess my question to you guys is, like, if anyone else was playing Howard, would he be as sympathetic or as much of a, I don't know, a lovable character, if if he is one at all, if he wasn't Happy Gilmore, think, you mean? Yeah, yeah if he <laughs> wasn't Billy Madison, <laughs> Jack and Jill. I can't think of any. I can't think of anything, any actor right at the moment that I think would do a really good job of playing Howard. I think that Adam Sandler captures him really well. Yeah, and I don't like. I, I'm saying I don't empathize with him and that he's not an empathetic character. I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. Right. Like I still really like the movie, and I and I like. I like to watch his story, observe it, but I think it is, like, it's just definitely more of, like, a, you're kind of just, like, looking all over the place, like, watching this movie, and it's, like, it's, like, a ride, Mm -hmm. and then it's over, and I don't really 
think about that much afterwards. You know, it's not like this character that like impacted me, but like I do still think it was like really entertaining to watch. I guess Mm. I can't think of anybody who could do it better. Really. Oh, I'd agree. Maybe, maybe Christian Bale. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, like, it kind of, you know, it has similarities of, a, of like, a Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. type yeah. uh, character, you know, who is doing all this crappy stuff and then, you know, goes through breakdown and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it has those kind of same um, aspects to it. And I didn't think he, uh, what's his name? Howard. Howard. No, 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 no. In Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Jordan Belfort? Jordan Belfort. I didn't really think he was super empathetic either. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you kind of just like, oh, God, this idiot. Like, that's kind of how I... Um, but you do see his... The difference between that movie and this movie is that you see his, like, kind of whole journey. So he kind of starts off, like, humble beginnings. Sure. And you're, like, happy for him that he's doing well. And then you're like, okay, you're taking it too far. Whereas this, like, it jumps right in with him already taking it too far. And so I, you don't really like him. Yeah. I know. I, I, that's the thing that I guess I enjoy about Safdie movies uh, as, like, in comparison to, like, a Scorsese movie is that they don't, they aren't really focused on, like, making you care or, like, get it, giving you the context necessarily. Yeah, there is no I context. I think about Good Time, you yeah. know, the, the other movie of theirs that I've seen, a lot of similarities, um, and like you jump in, the characters already know each other; they're already established, and no one really changes in like a Safety Brother movie. Yeah, uh, they're they're hell bent to get something, and that usually ends up in them dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it it does have a lot of similar aspects to Good Time. Um, I think that that's probably like the reason that Sandler agreed to go on because like he yeah. really liked Good Time. Obviously, if that's what made him agree to do the, the movie, and like I think that them being similar is not a bad thing. Like, I don't want to say that the Safdie brothers have, like, a one-track mind and that they can only do a movie one way because I don't mm. really know that, and I've only seen those two movies. But, like, the Good Time is very similar in that. It, and it's, it's, like, stress. Yes. And, like, <laughs> the fact that the main characters are constantly moving. Like, they're never in one spot, mm. except for, like, certain scenes. Like you were saying, that scene in the middle with, like, the dinner with his family, taking that pause, taking that rest, like, does make that an interesting point in the movie because... Otherwise, you're constantly in motion. Yeah. Tim, have you seen Good Time? Yes, that's I, I, I've only seen those two movies as well, just Me Uncut too. Gems and Good Time. I watched Uncut Gems first, um, and then like I was like, oh, same guys uh, who did Good Time, so I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. And it did. Like I walked out of it, or you know, walked off my couch <laughs> yeah. uh, with the same feeling, kind of like I just need to take a breath for a second because that was a lot. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed both of them. Um, Good Time, I think I enjoyed Uncut Gems maybe a little more because, like you were saying, just because like the role, maybe I'm a little attached to it a little mm. bit more, and the the the, uh, the actor Adam Sandler, um, but yeah, I enjoy both of them. But it is just kind of like I'm interested to see more of their work to see like how oh, they kind sure. of like you know direct these movies because both of them were just very constant motion, and I'm I'm constantly focused on what's happening. Yeah, me too. Um, and now we've seen uh, first Robert Pattinson and now Adam Sandler in a titular role mm-hmm. for a Safety Brother movie. Yeah, who who is next? I mean, I who do you think would be good in a in a oh. role like? I don't know. Let's try and find a female lead. Mm. Let's do that. Like, I like. I would the Safety Brothers put in a female? Lead? They should. I think that like. Uh, I always, you know, I always gotta ring in with the talk about the female characters in the movie because, you know, they're worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Idina Menzel is an incredible performer, and she does a really good job in this movie. Um, but she's she's not a main character. I think like his girlfriend is even in the movie more and like, has more of a 
part. Prominent role. <laughs> yeah, and prominent role. And she, like, is, she's, like, just as chaotic mm-hmm. as Howard a little bit and seem, is just, like, young and naive, almost played off is as, like, dumb and uh, they're mainly just because she's hot. <laughs> I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I don't know. Like, not that this is, like, a bad thing for the plot and for the narrative of the movie, but I always think that, like, you know, you can dig a little bit more into their characters, and I think that the one scene that really does that is when they are they get kicked out of the club with the weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're, they're walking <laughs> down the road screaming at each other. I yeah. love that scene. I think it's incredibly done. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, saying the worst things to one another and, you know, her jumping in front of the car, all that kind of stuff. Like, I think that that was great. But I think there are other things that, like, kind of bothered me about her character, like... She gets, like, the tattoo of his name on her ass. Like, it's kind of dumb. Like, it just makes her look more stupid than I think that, like, somebody in her position would be. Because somebody in her position is, like, I mean, it does seem like she truly does love Howard and and wants to be with him. But, like, you're expecting someone in her position to be, you know, cunning. Like, she got herself where she needs to be. She's... Got all this money coming in, doesn't really have to do that much work for it, enjoying her life, getting to go out and all these parties and stuff. Like, definitely, uh, you know, should have some some more substance to her. Um, but I think, like, there were a couple scenes that definitely did her well. And I love that, like, he put a little bit of responsibility on her at the end mm. to go to the casino and, like, do all that kind of stuff, yeah. too. But yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that's uh, like a whole other conversation of just the way um, that male writers operate and uh, Mm that these movies, talking about like American Psycho, Uncut Gems, like the film bro, Wolf of Wall Street, the the film bro movies, anything Tarantino ever written, has written, uh, comes from a place of masculinity or of writing the masculine as scumbags. And and I think it begs the question, like, are the movies hitting the right... How do I say this? I think a lot of people idolize Howard, and I don't think that's what the Safdie brothers were trying to do, but, like, it... The same thing with Jordan Belfort. Same thing yeah. with Jordan yeah. Belfort. Oh, yeah. and, no. and, you know, a Tarantino... Anything, anybody in a yeah, Tarantino movie. Sure. It's yeah. just, like, the, the flatness in how they write women or the disregard with which they cast them or, or you know, in the movies, that is. Like, do I, you I, think it's just supposed to speak about the I, main I, character, the way that it's written? Because it's, like... Right, saying and, that this and, is kind of how he, Howard right. it's, sees it's from her. his perspective as that one-track-minded, uh, you know, capitalist and objectifying kind of guy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, that's not fair to the females in the story or just representation as a concept. So I guess in, in my head, it's like, oh, do we put it on the Safdie brothers to change their the way they write to better represent all the characters in their movie? I don't know. I got yeah, I don't know. I, in both Safdie movies, I've seen their incredibly pro- problematic characters, and I hope yeah. people like young boys aren't really looking up to Howard Ratner as like <laughs> right, a right. you know parental figure or anything like that. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping it's more like tongue in cheek because I think there are lessons to be learned from this movie, but definitely not um, what not to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of Wolf of Wall Street esque too, in that like you know. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Jenna, in that like Wolf of Wall Street gave you more context. We saw a little bit of Jordan Belfort's childhood and like how he rose to to where he eventually got to. And yeah, I think like more like you know you're drawn to the American dream. Like he was 
poor and then like made it rich through his intellect and like you know yeah, yeah. like maybe maybe Howard Ratner did have a traumatic childhood right. and something that triggered this um I guess just erratic behavior and the the gambling addiction but yeah. we don't really know that and th- I think that's what makes the Safdie movies really unique is that you know it's just a, a snippet of time just a short chapter and I think the other thing that makes these movies unique talking about a protagonist who's like a bad person and like you're fighting with the you know the choice of whether you want them to succeed or not which is you know common there's a lot of movies like that um and I think that sometimes it's it's fun to uh, look into them a little bit more and see if there's somebody that's playing their foil that's like somebody that's com- you're comparing them against a good person or a bad person like not necessarily a hero villain like dynamic but oftentimes you know there's a family member somebody who's like really concerned for them or you know somebody who's doing the right thing that you can be like all right well, so that's like their brother or their you know mm. the their uh, partner you know cares for them and wants them to be better and I think that like that's something that both Wolf of Wall Street and Uncut Gems like don't necessarily have. Like I can't think of one character in the movie where I was like, "This is a good person." Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. And I think that like sometimes that's needed, and sometimes it's it's nice to and more realistic to to be like everybody has their own issues. Like there is not an essentially like good person, and I think that it's just like this person's like not great, but like just comparing him and making him worse. Sure. You know, this person's fine, but Howard is worse. And this person's fine, but Howard is worse. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, you know, it depends on what the er- other characters in the film are like as well. I agree. Well, another piece of uh, <laughs> fun trivia is that I was just Googling the cast cause so I could remember uh, who, you know, the other people in the movie were. And they a lot of them, you know, play themselves or play characters by the same name of themselves, which is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the girlfriend in the movie, her name's Julia. Her actual name is Julia. <laughs> um, Kevin Garnett plays himself. Idina Menzel plays a character named Dina, mm-hmm. which is probably her nickname. Yeah. <laughs> her name's Idina Dina. Right. Um, and, you know, this other guy, Wayne Diamond, plays Wayne <laughs> in the movie. And, like, I just think I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I think the, the Safdie brothers are very tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. kind of people. <laughs> and I don't know, like... I agree with what you said earlier, Tim. I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah. Do you guys think that it's described as a crime comedy drama? Mm. Uncut Gems? Yeah. How do you feel about that genre description? Crime. Well, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It doesn't give me, like, Goodfellas vibes or anything like that with the crime. But, I mean, I guess kind of like, yeah, the crime and the comedy, those ones stick out to me. The comedy is interesting. I mean, there is, like, a mob element. And, yeah, at least you've got those like the loan shark kind of thing going, but the comedy one is interesting to me. I don't, I never found myself comically really depressing. <laughs> yeah, comically I guess kind ang- of like this is ridiculous. Last how, is pain. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to be described as a comedy. Right. I wonder if they like that gets put in there, and that is, you know, had it not been a comedy actor playing the protagonist, oh, would that be yeah. the description that it would have gotten? Because to me, like. There weren't any laugh out loud moments. Like I thought it was like a lot of it was kind of ridiculous or like maybe a little silly, but I don't think it was funny. Mm. What about you guys? Yeah, I totally agree. Like, yeah, just not never found myself like laughing like, oh, this is so funny. Just like, yeah, ridiculous. Like, are are you kidding me? Like now he's with like he's naked in his trunk. All right. That's kind of crazy. You kind of just like kind of feel bad for him even in that moment. You're like, oh, God. (laughs) I don't know. 
Good movie, though. I think that I want to see Adam Sandler do it again. Yeah, I know. I, I want to see him, like, take on more roles like this. Yeah. I want to see another Happy Gilmore. <laughs> but, but with Howard. <laughs> he's, he's become old and dejected. Yeah. <laughs> Best of both worlds. An alternate together. universe in which he didn't get shot, and he uh, oh. he hits it big. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are some funny aspects to it. I mean, like, you literally start the movie coming out of his colon. Sure, yeah. That's, like... That's He's they are trying to like make have some wit to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think the Safety brothers no, are yeah, making yeah. that attempt. I mean, I when Howard's like in a closet spying on his girlfriend, I think yeah, that's that was just. Uh, I mean, it's, it's weird, <laughs> but it is kind of like so uncomfortable. It's funny, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- to describe it as a comedy, I think is uh, not completely accurate. I think any comedy was a uh, happenstance. That wasn't like the goal of yeah, the Safety no, brothers. Yeah. Good time but, is described as a crime thriller. Mm. I think that that's more. It's more apt. That's crime more apt. Thriller, yeah. I could see. Yeah. Yes. I was thrilled. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my feet. Everyone was the whole time. Yeah. Um, let's, let's see what Wolf of Wall when that man is. got an entire bottle of acid poured into yeah. his mouth. Oh yes. Forgot about that. <laughs> a Wolf of Wall Street is a drama comedy. See, I Wolf see more comedy more, in that. More comic. Yeah. 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 I definitely do. Just interesting. Interesting how people. Put, you know, put them in categories. And Do you guys have, like, ratings for this movie? Do you feel like you'd place it highly? <laughs> I would definitely... This was one of my favorite movies of 2019, mm. at least in my top ten. Um, I don't know. I feel like I can't... Other than Good Time, it's hard to compare this to another movie. So just for that sentiment alone, I'd have to give it, like, like maybe an 8.5 or a 9. Um thought the character development was interesting. I mean, I like how they didn't actually change that much, especially Howard Ratner's character. But, I mean, I guess I would have liked to see a little bit more of his family life. Um, we saw glimpses and, you know, depressing scenes, but a little bit more would have been nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd probably give it... I thought it was really good. I think because, like you said, it's really hard to compare it to other movies and it's different than a lot of things you've seen recently. Like, that in itself, the uniqueness of it makes it good to me and, like, different is good, I guess, in my head, like, a lot of the time, especially when when thinking about the more recent films. So I would, I would probably give it, like, an 8 as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I have, like, uh, 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd, so, like, 8 out of 10. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, yeah, it's just, like you said, the uniqueness of it and just, like, the uniqueness of the movie itself, but also just, like, Adam Sandler's role. I really appreciated that because I've only ever really seen him in comedies. So this was really, like, new, and I was just, like, the surprise that, like, I felt just definitely made the movie that much better for me, I think. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I feel like I, uh, there's... I wish we would have had someone who just hated it. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, I... I I agree it's unique. I haven't seen anything else like it besides Good Time, and I don't know. I feel like you can tell that something's unique and good at the same time. Uh, I, I could imagine this movie just being a flop mm-hmm. <laughs> had they made some different directions and, um, yeah, went a different way with it. But, I, yeah, I'd say it's like a 9 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and oftentimes a movie with a good ending, like when, you, mm. when you're kind of surprised by it and you come out of it and you're like, okay, that was like deserved. That's a good way to end yeah. it. Really liked that ending. Like I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. You come out of a movie like that, it's hard not to see the whole film then through a different perspective, like a positive lens where you're like, sure, well, yeah. it ended really well. So <laughs> like the rest really of the movie great. led up to that ending. So that made it good, a good movie. I don't know. I think that's yeah. a way you can look at it. No, like when expectations are met, people are disappointed. And I don't think... 
I was expecting anything yeah. that happened in this movie. Yeah. So um, definitely. Yeah. Quality movie. Thank you guys for talking for 50 minutes about this thing. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Had to. I'll do it again. Got it. Great. Well, check in next week when we uh, think of what we're going to review. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.